Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Jeff Davis. And Jeff, he is also known as the supply chain investor, has been a global sales executive since 2005 and entered real estate in 2015. He's the owner of Bridgestone Holdings, managing rentals and house flips in Houston. By 2021, he ventured into large apartment syndications, partnering in over 2,000 units and over $150 million in transactions in 2022. So Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Fantastic. I am realizing that I need to update that profile a little bit. (laughs) We're now in 2023. All right, Jeff. Well, can you share a little bit more about your background and how you got started in real estate? Absolutely. As you mentioned, I'm in global logistics. I lived in New Orleans all my life. That's where I'm from. Got married in June of 2005. Uh, Got married in June. Hurricane Katrina hit in August. And so we immediately had to evacuate and we just headed west on I-10 and uh, with all of our belongings and all of our belongings fit right uh, into the trunk of a Toyota Camry because we didn't really have much. And so I just was looking for a job, went knocking on doors, which is what I'm pretty good at, door knocking. And I found a job as a data entry clerk at a logistics company. From there, I kind of worked my way up built my career and to what I am now, which is a global sales executive in the, in the global logistics and supply chain industry. Um, Around 2012 is when I really started having some success in sales and getting commission checks. And I knew that um, after reading rich dad, poor dad, that just getting income from your W2 was not going to be any, sort of success, right? You weren't going to build wealth that way. So I wanted to make sure I put my sales commissions to work for me. And I began buying rental properties just to have that equity building and get those rental checks coming in, kind of an extra paycheck every month. Uh, So I did that, right? To have my commissions, make commissions. And from there, I looked at a couple of different avenues um, just building up that rental portfolio. I checked out wholesalings. I used to do hard money loans. I kind of still do that to this day. Really, all of that is work. And um, back in 2020, I sold all my rentals um, and got into syndications because it was the easiest form of passive income. Honestly, I've looked at so many different types of passive income, but apartments. And really any type of real estate syndication is the easiest, easiest way that your money can work for you. You just, you partner with somebody you trust that knows how to manage these real estate portfolios and they give you a a check every month or every quarter, however the business plan calls. That's how I got into it. So when you were buying rental properties, were you managing these um, by yourself or were you using a third party to help manage all of them? I looked at the prospect of having another party manage it. Um, 
it just didn't make sense. I've tried it. And the work that they were doing didn't make sense. They were always coming back to me asking for approval and some nonsense. Um, so, and, and in the end, I was still going to have to pay them to pay a bill for me. So that did not make sense. I managed it myself. Houston is the type of market that there's not a lot of vacancy. Um, so once I did the work or had a contractor do the work to get a property cleaned up, the property's leased very quickly. Uh, vacancy wasn't an issue. So I did not feel the need to have a property management. So then after buying those rental properties, you also did some other things before getting into syndications. Um, how are you handling all that stuff? Because at this time, I still assume that you were still working as the executive um, in the global sales company as well. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I did. That's why those things didn't last, right? Because I tried wholesaling. And if anybody's familiar with wholesaling, you're not buying the property, you're getting it under contracting and finding a buyer. It's a full job. It is a full-time job. It's not what is advertised. So if I was new in my career and I just didn't have much to lose or it was a set schedule, I could not, I could do it. Um, but I had too much on my plate as a W-2 and a husband and a father um, to invest time and money into marketing to do wholesaling. So I was not successful at that. Um, other items, hard money lending, that's good. And the the challenge with that was when interest rates uh, began dropping, so did the hard money rates. And then after a while, the, the flips became less prevalent. And that's really where hard money loans become or are used is on flips. So finding those good deals or finding those good rehabbers was a job in and of itself. And you want to keep your money turning on the hard money loans. Still a viable deal. It's just that became a job is to keep your money going. Um, so again, I really like the syndication model strictly for the purpose of getting, uh, getting my money out there and it's working and I don't have to work to get the money, you know, put to work. So at that time, when you made that, when you found syndications, how did you, you know, make that transition? How did you start to bridge that gap between doing the single family uh, hard money loans and all the things that you're doing in the past and then bridging it over into syndications and multifamily? Yes. Uh, actually, it was from one of my private money lenders who was lending me on uh, on a flip. So he was lending me um, and I'm going back and forth, working with a contractor, bringing in material. So I was kind of working myself to the bone, as I mentioned, on real estate. And I have a W-2 and I had met with him for lunch and he's in apartments. He's already doing. And I think he had acquired he was partnering on four large syndications that year and i was telling him you know i feel like i'm doing something wrong here brother because i am i'm running all over the city of houston and you are not and it seems like you're involved in some much larger transactions and and that's how i got that bridge right i knew somebody was already doing deals with him and he 
he kind of explain how the transactions work. So then you're you sold all your real, your rental properties, your single family homes, and then jumped full force into multifamily space. Correct. That's accurate. Yes. So then after that, after the multifamily, after your first deal, was that primarily as a limited partner or did you start off as a, as an active partner, a general partner onto those deals? Limited partner. Yeah. Because limited partners are the ones who get the most benefit. I shouldn't say the most benefit, but they're, they're the ones who get the benefit of, of working with or having their money work without having to do anything. You're, you're getting a check. You're getting the cash flow. You're getting a payment from day one. And if you're trying to be the sponsor, you are working for a very long time without getting paid. That was how I did it. I put some money in and started seeing returns. So then from there, after the first one, how did you, did you start continuing to invest in multifamily and then kind of bring us to where your focus is today? Yeah, I continue to do it. (laughs) I just, I did several, I did about six deals as a limited partner. And then I, you know, I had friends who saw what I was doing and I told them like, yeah, let's, let's do these deals together. Um, and because of my network being in supply chain and, and logistics, I had just vendors and partners and, and colleagues of mine who partnered along with me. So we've all done these deals together because they, they know me. Uh, I've done business with folks for the past 20 years. Um, so we've all kind of gone in on these deals together because I've vetted them, uh, vetted the deals. And uh, at this point, I'm JVing on a couple of deals that that I have found that brokers brought to me just from being in the Houston market. And so they're smaller. We may syndicate. We may not. I don't know. Um, but I'm going to, you know, do these. They're in Houston. I know the market. And I'm very comfortable with how to manage a property. Uh, they're large enough that I'd get a property management company to to manage them within this region, and and we could we we would have the ability to scale, you know, with these. So that's where I'm at today. Is I can actually uh, acquire the properties under under our umbrella with some of the partners that have come in, and. Uh, joined and invested with me alongside me on other deals over the past two years. So is your focus market in Houston or are you looking at other markets as well? The the metropolitan areas in Texas. So Houston and uh, I have a partner in Dallas that we look at uh, in the Dallas submarkets. You know, we're looking at anything that's under $4 million because we can, we can close on those deals. So nothing that's so large that the financing would become a challenge. What are you seeing in the market right now in terms of deal flow and being able to um, close on these deals within the Texas market? Challenges. Texas, in particular, the Gulf Coast, such as Houston, is being hit by the trifecta of interest rates, insurance, and taxes. I say specifically Houston on the insurance but all of Texas is being hit by interest rates and taxes. Uh, Texas has a unique property tax code where they have an appraisal district that can appraise a property up to its sale price. And historically speaking, that's kind of worked to the seller and the buyer's benefit 
but these, you know, tax, uh, the, these county appraisers have really caught up to speed and everybody's at a shortfall on tax. You know, they all want their tax revenue right now. And so that's making underwriting very difficult and overall cash flow on a deal very difficult. So that is slowing down deal flow. Interest rates is the story of the year in commercial real estate. So no surprise there, but something that is unique to the Gulf Coast. So Texas, Louisiana, almost impossible. And Florida, almost impossible. Insurance carriers are really leaving the market. Um, But in addition to that, the premiums are very high just because of the natural disasters that have hit the market over the past two to three years. And and it's really all catching up. So in terms of the insurance carriers, and since a lot of them are leaving the market, so the uh, supply in the area, it seems like it's starting to uh, slow down a little bit more and becoming a little bit more challenging to find the right partners for the insurance type of things. Um, Is So then as things are going up, is the coverage also getting less as well? Covered, no, but it depends on where in the submarket. But you could you could be at a situation where you have to uh, insure an actual cash value, that replacement cost. So that makes it very expensive. I remember three years ago when I started doing this and started learning through a program like you and I were talking about through mentorship programs. We could put into an underwriting sheet eight hundred bucks a door right? Insurance, 800 bucks a door. Some markets, probably in Nevada where you're looking, it's 300 bucks a door. I don't know Nevada. I don't do that. Right now, uh, there's parts of Houston that are $2,200 a door. The deal I'm underwriting right now, my sister is in commercial insurance, so I have that benefit. She's who I go to. We just got this one quoted, $1,150 a door. Uh this is in a non-has area. It is in an A-class market. It has never been damaged in any of the storms, but we're talking almost $1,200 per door in insurance. That is not cheap, you know? So that's that's kind of the market that we're in. So with all these challenges that we're facing here in, in commercial real estate multifamily, you know, what do you see for the upcoming future in terms of how you're strategizing your investments and how you want to uh, approach the market going forward? The strategy remains the same. It's buy at a cash flow price. So it has to cash flow on the actuals. I'm not buying on pro forma. And I would suggest that for any limited partner, anybody considering this business as a limited or passive investor, does it cash flow today? Or am I buying on pro forma? Because that's where a lot of people got sideways over the past 18 to 24 months. Everything was the, the lenders were lending on pro forma on what this thing can do in the future. And we got variable loans with adjustable rates, and they're not able to raise the rents according to what they think. Uh, And the interest rates went up, insurance rates have gone up, and taxes have gone up. The only thing that did not go up was the revenue. So we're seeing in this market a situation where these groups have purchased apartments 
the revenues are actually going down and their costs are going up. So what I do see is some some buying opportunity. Because what's going to happen, I mean, what has to happen, I am seeing it because I'm getting these calls. Buyers are in a distressed situation and it's going to increase in next year. So what are some of the ways that you're looking at right now in order to protect yourself in the case of a, a downturn? Protect myself? Protect yourself, the company, or strategies that you're putting in place uh, within real estate in case there is a downturn? Fixed rate insurance for longer term. Make sure that we have a very competitive price. Underwriting with a higher, with a lower occupancy what is my worst case scenario? What is my downturn scenario? Uh, my break-even occupancy. That's the term I'm looking for. You know, in the event of a downturn, how low will it go for me to break even with this financing in place? And that's that's how we can protect ourselves. So if it's cash flowing today, what if we do have a downturn? Uh, I'm not, I am not underwriting basing on anything three to five to 6% rental increases, but rather consistent uh, rents across the board. So it's extremely, extremely conservative underwriting across the board. So how has real estate investing impacted your life, Jeff? That's a great question. It's, you know, you do have a sense of how a business is run. It's a low barrier to entry, all things considered. Anybody can buy a house. You don't have to have permits and, and licenses to, to get into investing. And you're managing your own PL. And the biggest checks I've ever cashed were from real estate. I mean, I've never cashed a, a big old six figure check for my W 2. And uh, so I just get to have very, very high level and thoughtful discussions when it comes to real estate. And Jeff, what is the one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? I wish I'd started in large commercial real estate back in 2012. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I wish I had started back in 2008. You know, I bought a house in, in 2007. I really wish during that downturn in 2008 that I was that I knew about wholesaling and real estate investing. Cause I was, I really wish I had gotten in then. And Jeff, what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? Being thoughtful um, and trying to give as much as they understand, right. Helping. I've had many, many people that I've been able to go to for help and lean on for, for knowledge before you make, an ultimate decision because the what are they what's the saying? We stand on the shoulders of giants. So I've not done anything special. One thing I love about real estate is that it's not new. We are not reinventing the wheel. This thing has been done for a thousand years. It's been done in the United States for the past 250 years. Uh, people are buying and selling houses and buildings uh, over and over again every single day. It's not new. And Jeff, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, go check us out at bridgestoneinvest.com. Bridgestoneinvest.com. Awesome. Jeff, thank you so much for all of your time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavis Capital. 
We'd really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.